I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author DDS Dobson-Smith. He's author of You Can Be Yourself Here, Your Pocket Guide to Creating Inclusive Workplaces by Using the Psychology of Belonging. Belonging is an archetypal experience that we all seek. In the workplace, a sense of belonging will only happen if you have both diversity and inclusion. When you facilitate diversity in hiring practices and instill inclusive policies, procedures, and behaviors, your organization has its best chance of creating a culture that supports a sense of belonging for everyone. Diversity is a fact. Inclusion is a behavior. Belonging is an experience. Diversity is a fact in that you can look around you and note that there are people like yourself alongside people who aren't like you. Inclusion, meanwhile, is a set of behaviors, frameworks, or approaches that promote psychological safety and connectedness among team members. DDS Dobson-Smith is a licensed therapist, author, executive coach, speaker on leadership and growth. They are the founder and CEO of Soul Trained, an executive coaching and leadership growth consultancy. Welcome to the show, DDS. Nice to have you on the show today. Thank you, Catherine. That was a lovely introduction. Good. All right. Well, that's where we're, that's our jumping off point, right? So (laughs) (laughs) diversity and inclusion. I mean, that's the key, right? Belonging is an experience. Um, Yep. You know, yeah, and I, th- I mean, those are as I'm looking in at your, at your uh, book and uh, the introduction that I did. I think about is that the direction we're going in? I, I feel so sad because I feel like as a culture we're going in the opposite direction from diversity uh-huh. and, and inclusion. And um, I don't like to start off in a negative. Uh, but I want you to address that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think, um, I think there's the there's the kind of archetypal experience of two steps forwards, one step back, um, which can often feel regressive. Um, when actually, when you take a step back and look at the big picture, it it is progressive. And you know, I do want to acknowledge that there has been so many strides made um, in this space and where, you know, today, uh, black, brown, indigenous, Asian people, queer people, disabled people see themselves on television in, in, advert, in, in adverts. Um, and, um, and, and yet at the same time, uh, we still have, um, we still have progress to make um in the space of equality for women and other uh, historically excluded identities in the workplace. We still have legislation um, that exists. Um, we still have systems that oppress. So, yeah, like I can appreciate why you feel like it's going backwards. And, um, and, and I also, I also, I also have hope because, um, you know, aside from what's happening um, in the Supreme Court, aside from what's happening in various states like Florida and Texas right now, um, you know, we we have we have moved forward, um, and the march towards um, equality and equity um, continues. 
of course, I'm honing in on being a woman. And as a woman, mm-hmm. uh, that's half the population, which includes women mm-hmm. of color, queer women, disabled women, yep. all of us, right? Half of us are yep. now being told that we do not have the right to choose and make decisions about our own bodies. That includes a huge yes. population. Yeah. And then I'll stop. It's shocking. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's shocking. But, okay, let's get to the, how we've moved forward and how we can continue to move forward, because that's what your book is about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we continue to move forward, and I think the the... The, the best the best way that we can move forward at an individual basis is through personal education um, and becoming increasingly aware and cognizant of the experiences of people who are not like us. Um, and at a the systemic level, I think we've seen um, we've seen the power of corporation. Um, or corporations and, and corporates over, over the years of how they have been able to sway political opinion um, and have been able to, you know, um, uh, cause changes in or, or catalyze changes in laws. And I think big corporates, um, well, any any company has a role in a significant role in being able to push forward towards um, equality. Um, and you've and had a lot of experience that in that. I mean, that as I, you know, looking at your uh, resume, I guess, uh, like you've had a lot of experience, obviously, in the corporate sector. So let's I talk have. specifically about that. What are the policies, the practices, the behaviors, the organizational infrastructure in a, a corporation mm-hmm. that can lead to what we're talking about, this culture of belonging? Right. Well, as you as you said in my introdu- in the introduction, you know there there is a simple equation that I follow, which is diversity plus inclusion um, can can equal uh, belonging. And when we have a climate of belonging in an organisation, then it is likely that we will be able to attract the right people, and we'll be able to keep the right people, and those people will experience psychological safety in the organisation, which will lead to improved innovation, improved productivity, um, and therefore improved profitability. Now, getting there um, is somewhat of of a journey, and it starts with diversity and representation. Um, so diversity is a fact. Your organization either is or is not diverse. There, there is, there's, there's no dressing it up in fancy statistics. Um, you, if, you, if you look at an organization at all levels, can you see people of all different walks of life represented? If the answer is yes, and then, then it's likely that that organization has a diverse and representative workforce. If it doesn't, then it needs to change that. And that starts with owning the truth of where the organization is. Is the boardroom full of white, pale men? Um, and if it is, then decisions have to be made around recruitment and restructuring and, and changing and, and over time changing that structure. And when I say over time, I don't mean over periods of decades or half decades. I mean over time within a year or two. Um, and there are there are in the book there are there are many practical tips around how to um, uh, I guess 
bake in to your recruitment and selection processes um, ways to counteract the social biases that we have towards the majority social group, um, i.e. straight, white, cisgender, able-bodied men. And I want um, to interrupt you there because I think one of the things, and, and maybe people, uh, I, I think that the audience needs to know this because many companies will have, you know, on paper or even in their practices, they hi- they hire diverse they have a diverse groups of people working in their organizations, yeah. but then it stops there because even though those people yeah. are there, they're not included. And that's a whole, that's yeah. the second part. So I, I know you're going to talk exactly. about that, but I think it's important. Yeah. Cause uh, it's, it, one can be fooled by just having a diverse population, but the policies right. of the company are not inclusive. Right. 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 Well, that's that's exactly the point. Once you have once you have established a diverse organization, that that those quote unquote diverse hires um, are only going to stay at the organization if they experience inclusion. And inclusion is a behavior. It's the way the organization behaves, and it's way it's 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 the way that the people within the organization behave. And so, organizational behavior, policies, protocols, platforms. Do they support um, the diverse hires that, that have been made, whether that's through um, particular policies to support family um, and healthcare, um, to, to, um, to support um, queer people, particularly trans people, if they're transitioning in the workplace, um, and, and so on. And, and also the, the way in which behave, uh, the people behave in particular, the leaders of an organization. And I've always said, well, for a long time, I've said that the the climate of any organization is going to be shaped by the worst behavior you're willing to tolerate in a leader. Because we copy, you know, we follow suit um, and we observe our leaders. And if we see them behaving in inclusive ways, we are going to do the same. Can you give us examples of where, I don't mean necessarily uh, you know, pick out specific companies, but where uh-huh. th- these things are probably it's best to start with where they're not being done and how that happens, how that plays out specifically in an organization uh, that diversity inclu- and inclusiveness are not part of the policies of that particular mm-hmm. uh, company. What would be examples well, as, of that? As, yeah. Yeah, an, an example an example might be um, in, in a company that that doesn't have a policy that 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 describes how that company will treat a trans person if they are socially and medically transitioning in the workplace. Um, it, it, it's another policy, a different type of policy with with family care. If it if if we don't, if a company doesn't offer the father of a child similar rights to the mother of a child in terms of time off and paid time off, then what we're what that company is doing, uh, perhaps unwittingly, is further compounding the social roles that have been created that the mother is the person that has to stay at home and take care of the children and the father is the person that goes out to work. And that doesn't even account for if it's a queer couple, a, you know, a same sex or mixed gender couple same gender couple that are raising children, like how are those policies applied? Um, or, it, or if a same sex couple wants to adopt, how is family time off um, arranged uh, for, for those people? And then, 
it's, it, it goes into the space of making accommodations in the workplace for, you know, I think sometimes we only, we only use the phrase disabled, which in, a, in and of itself is an ableist word because this person is only disabled because of the ableist um, or the kind of infrastructure that is set up for people who don't use wheelchairs um, or that have full access and to the range of their physical attributes. So it's, it's, it's policies like that, um, that, that I'm, that I'm really talking about. And then it's also down to some of the kind of real behaviors. I, I was, I, I had, um, I, I, I can speak about one client who I won't name, who is a woman who is in a very senior position um, and she found herself on an email chain um, with um, everybody else on the email chain um, had um, was a man. And um, there were some people on that email chain that had never met my client before. And they immediately assu- assumed that she was an executive assistant and started asking her about coffee and tea and venue arrangements. And this woman is in a C-suite role. And so there's there's even there's like microaggressions, like very unconscious level behaviours. Um, I remember once as a as a facilitator of a of a of a you know of a C-suite um, away day, um, there was there was a group of people standing at a flip chart doing some brainstorms, and I went to hand the only woman in the group a pen. And I caught myself at the last minute playing into that. Oh, it's the woman that's going to take notes. And and instead, I diverted my hand and gave it to the most senior man in the group and said, "How about you take notes for us?" And and when we don't catch ourselves in those behaviours in those moments, we are kind of deepening um, the, the the challenges and the harm that we're doing. And we and so. It's it's both the policies as well as the behaviors of people in power that need to change. I think that's a great example and giving that yourself as an example because that concept of or that uh, uh, responsibility of each one of us to be aware because some of these behaviors yeah. just you know you're giving the pen to the woman or whatever the pencil it's kind of in our you know it's centuries of our. Mm-hmm. being in our it DNA. Is. We have to extract that. It <laughs> yeah, it is. And yeah. even though, yeah, we have good intentions, we know what we want to do on a cognitive right. level, but we do just what you described. And so awareness yeah. is, yeah. Yes, exactly. It is, It is as you said, Catherine, it's centuries of unpicking that we need yeah. to do. Um, and that will only be done if we are willing to catch ourselves being wrong and to take accountability for the impact um, that we're having, to place greater focus on our impact rather than our intention. And when we do wrong and when we do cause harm, we take accountability for that by saying, I'm, I take accountability for my impact and I'm sorry that I impacted you in that way and I won't do it again. Um, you know, I'm pretty tired of hearing pseudo apologies that, that say, well, I didn't mean to and it wasn't my intention. You know, nobody gives gives a fluff about your intention because it's the harm that, 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 you know, it's the impact that causes harm, not the absence of intention. Right. So just to, I don't know if I'm reiterating or we can go on from here, but you have to be aware of your, so, the social conditioning, which is what we're talking about. Right. And as you say, right. dismantle these internalized racism, sexism, heterosexism, yep. all of that stuff. 
we got to get rid of it. All and of we that. have, yeah, and we have All to know that, that we have it and stop denying that we don't have it because we do have it um, in varying degrees. You know, what about the practical? Yeah. Let's, yeah, okay, we don't have a lot of time left. So, what about the practical? The person who's listening, running a corporation. Okay, so okay, fine. This is good. I believe in this. This is a good thing. But how does that affect my bottom line? Because I'm running a business. I have to make money, or I have to do whatever the you know, the business yeah. is supposed to be doing. So uh, what's the impact if we, if we uh, follow what we've been talking about, what your book is about? Well, it's, 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 I mean, there are, there are many, there are many data sets and, and kind of formula that we can pay attention to. But the bottom line is this, when, when you have an, uh, an organization in which people experience psychological safety and, and as though they can belong then your attrition will be reduced and your happiness will be increased or your employee engagement will, will be increased. There is, you know, I think many, many years ago that retail chain Sears produced uh, something called the, the, the value profit chain that, that, that drew a line between essential or drew a connection between um, happiness, productivity and profitability. And then when you decrease your attrition, you're also decreasing your, your, your recruitment costs. I think the, the Society of Human Resources um, Management um, estimates that to replace a role, it costs a minimum of the 50 per, 50% of the, of the salary of that role to replace it. And that's not only recruitment costs, but it's the lost costs or, or lost revenue in terms of productivity. Um, it's also the, the lost money in terms of the knowledge that walks out the door every time an employee leaves. So you know, the, the, business case, the business case is really, really clear from that perspective. And there are many other reasons why a, a CEO or a leader of a business would want to pay attention to this on a, on a kind of practical bottom line basis. And would you say that uh, given uh, the climate, the financial climate that we're in right now and inflation and uh, hiring practice and difficult to even uh, hire people now and having to hire them in different ways, working at home, part, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, that that also it becomes even more critical that. hundred percent, Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a big narrative out there at the moment about this, this phenomenon called the great resignation, which I have reframed uh, as the great realization. And by that, I mean, people are realizing that they want more from their workplaces and people are asking themselves the question, am I, am I experiencing, is my work bringing me meaning and purpose? And do I experience belonging in this workplace? And if the answer is yes, I'm going to double down on my commitment to this workplace. And if the answer is no, I'm voting with my feet and going elsewhere. So I don't believe there is a shortage of talent at the moment. I just believe that talent has become more discerning and are asking different questions of current and future employers. And the, and the companies that are, that are doing this right are the ones that are going to win in this economy. Can you name the companies that are doing this right? Or some of them? <laughs> or one of them? <laughs> or two of them? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think when I when I look in the world of advertising, I think there's a there's a you know there's a huge there's there's a huge um, holding company called WPP who seems to be doing really really great things in the space of inclusion and belonging and working hard in in very real material ways to transform the experience that, that its people have of working there. At a, at a lower level, you know, at a smaller kind of independent level, there's an amazing shop based out of San Francisco called um, Just Global, who, you know, who is, that is a people first B2B um, global 
uh, advertising services agency. You know, and then you look at some of the, the big organizations um, that, that are doing this well. I mean, um, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to tell um, because everyone, you know, when you've got a big organization, opinion and experience becomes increasingly diverse. But, you know, I think Google does a great job or, or at least does, tries to do a great job um, in this space. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not the kind of person that likes to name organizations that I don't have a person like a, my own experience of being on the inside of. So those are just three places that I would that I would say that I think are doing it well at the moment. Okay. Well, I think that's okay because you're. This is a positive. You're you're talking about them in a positive way, even if you're not in the right. corporation. Yeah. So, yeah. right. So, what um, what do you what would you say? I guess in your because you have had experience. Uh, let's talk yeah. about you know some of the, yeah the the experiences that you've had had both negative and positive within uh-huh. the companies that you've worked in. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was throughout throughout my career, um, and you know, people can look at my look at my LinkedIn and my resume to see where I have worked. Um, but throughout my career, um, as a member of the, the LGBTQIA two plus community, um, you know, I have been on the receiving end of of, of regular microaggressions where somebody has t- turned to me and said, you know. DDS, do you think you could just tone it down a little bit? And it's when I've digged into that, that's been code for, could you be less gay, please? Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't until, uh, you know, 20-something years into my career when I was at a C-suite level when somebody said that to me. Um, what did I feel like I had the kind of the hierarchical power, in inverted commas, to be able to turn around to this person and challenge what they said to me? And, 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 you know, I, and, and so 20 years I've been on, on the receiving end of the, could you tone it down a bit, please, EDS? Could you please be a, bit, a little bit less gay? Which is damaging. And it, it wasn't until that moment when I was just like, actually, no, I can do something about this. And I turned around to that person and said, well, could you be a little bit less straight, please? <laughs> and they said, I don't know how to do that. And I said, exactly. Yeah. And, and that put an end to it. <laughs> yeah, that's but, a good example. No, I'm not alone. You know, I know yeah. I'm not alone. Um, and um, and so that that continues to happen to people the world over. Um, yeah. And if that's happening in countries that are like England or America that are meant to be welcoming and open and you know accepting, what does it? What can it be like for somebody in a country where where their identity is legislated against um, and, and and can put them to death for being for being who they are? Um, and and then, just to know, add to that, you know, as a woman, sort of the, of similar things are said. Could you be a little yeah. less aggressive? Could you could tone it uh, down a bit and uh, uh, not be so out there? And uh, yeah. you know, there's th- that. A similar message, I should say. There is that. Yeah, similar I was. Yeah. Um, I, I was. I was doing a fireside chat yesterday with um, with a group of women at an uh, an advertising agency called Dept, which is a great advertising agency. Um, and um, the fireside chat was in in you know in the scope of mental health awareness week. And one one of the women said to me, "How do I deal with the fact that I keep being told to be more joyful?" 
<laughs> and 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 I think that's you know the the idea that a woman has to smile, has to look pretty, has to put her heels on and put her makeup on for for the good of somebody else to feel better about being around them, boggles my mind and infuriates me. Um, so yeah, like I just want to acknowledge and and appreciate what what it was that you were saying there, Catherine. Yeah, I think one of the mantras that I try to live by is uh, don't let other people define me. Don't let other people define yeah. you. And we yeah, all, exactly. it, yeah, because I think it's easy to get yeah, into the one that. that. I like is the, the one that I like is those those that mind don't matter and those that matter don't mind. <laughs> that's another good. Yeah, that's great. We have a couple minutes left, um, so I, we hate, I, you know, I hate to uh, end the interview because it's, I mean, there's so much more to talk about, and obviously people need to get out and buy your book. You can be yourself here, your pocket guide to creating inclusive workplaces by using the psychology of belonging, and we've been talking to the author, DDS Dobson-Smith. Um, DDS, tell us where we can um, get more information, websites, about the book and about your work, because obviously you're doing a lot of good stuff. Yeah, thank you, Catherine. Yeah, you, people can can um, jump onto the website, which is www.soultrained.com. Um, there's some pages on the website. Um, one of them is about the current book that, that was released, uh, published in February called You Can Be Yourself Here. You can also find information about my second book, which is coming out in September called Leadership is a Behavior, Not a Title. And then you'll also find a page on there called Shift Happens, which has got tons of blogs and videos and um, uh, and podcasts on there um, about my work and people that I work with. Um, and feel free to follow me on LinkedIn at DDS Dobson Smith. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. It was really, really great talking to you. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. 